Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel podcast listeners, to this, our back issue edition of our podcast. The back issue, of course, as you know, is the issue where we take a single character, comic book, or series from the 70s, 80s, or 90s and dig in deep. I'm George, and with me today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And John is here. Guten Tag, gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we are covering a topic that is the subject of an upcoming independent film, as we like to say here at Drawn and Panel. (laughs) Small indie bit. Small indie little film. Yeah, you may have heard of it. Yeah. (laughs) You might have heard about it. It's probably the last Marvel film I'm thinking, I'm guessing maybe for Sony and it's Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. and this comes out when does this come out Jason June 7th June, June 8th 7th. Something? yeah June, June 7th. 7th that's what I thought right yeah so a little bit after this podcast airs but this will get you prepped and ready for whether or not you even want to go see this movie is what our hope is in order to help you make that decision we decided to cover at first we were going to cover the dark phoenix saga trade but then we said that's really difficult because there's a lot of other stuff there's a lot of other nuances to this character because the character is not just dark phoenix it's gene gray it's phoenix it's marvel girl it's all these different facets of this character it's so confusing It, it is. It, <laughs> Anybody who is listening and maybe hasn't listened to this before or heard an episode that I wasn't on yet. So I am not a comic book expert. I am not a comic book novice. We're I'm aware. not a comic yeah. book person. <laughs> not I so enjoy, much. I, I, I enjoy books. And you guys introduced me to books. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'll read a little bit, learn something. And so like I was torn. Like part of me is like, I need to fill the role of being the guy that doesn't know anything. And part of me was like, you know what? I'm going to do a little research so at least I can make some educated like comments. Mm-hmm. So I went and found this in-depth article about Dark Phoenix, okay? And I start sure. reading. It starts with Jean Grey. And I heard this. there's this fascinating origin where she was a young girl and there was like a car accident and she got her powers early and went into a coma. And I'm like, this is really interesting. And I read like a half an hour right. about all this character development. And then look at the scroll bar. And the scroll bar on the website is about four <laughs> pixels tall. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only about 5% down in this article. I'm like, holy crap, this character yeah. has so many iterations and manifestations and twists and turns. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fall back on the I don't know anything <laughs> because I. That's a legitimate place to fall back because even as a big a fan as I am of the X Men and Jason, of course, is our comics guru, mm-hmm. there's goodness. so much that even we don't know yes. about this character because there's just been so much done with this character. And it's not a straight linear line line like all right so you have batman right as childhood his you know when he's a kid his parents right, you know get the story. killed yeah left the theater you know, mm-hmm. right. parents got killed yep, you yep. know how he becomes the detective and the caped crusader later on right superman you know he lands on earth mm-hmm. and gets adopted by the wonderful people which we talked about man of steel last back issue goes through this whole transformation he's superman this character is the opposite of that she's jean gray then she's marvel girl then she's phoenix then she's dark phoenix then she's jean gray again then she's phoenix again then she's dark phoenix again Mm -hmm. then she dies Uh, and then she comes back and resurrects herself 17 times (laughs) yes Um, (laughs) and and i I have a follow-up question about all that that i'm going to get to later so i'll just say that up until preparing for this back issue all i knew that in the the movies were captain picard's in a wheelchair she was the girl that had the crush on the laser eye guy (laughs) yes right Right. yeah yeah i I, kind of know something that's happening but beyond that (laughs) you got a little grip on it but it's such an in-depth character and we're going to need a lot of time to talk about it so let's jump into the episode (laughs) right after this total teamwork total tech total justice led by batman armed with fractal tech gear these heroes are stronger than ever superman's kryptonite ray makes evil pay hawkman's talons take all the terror evil despero is doomed new total justice figure sold separately Hey there, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. 
I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a all right, guys, this character, as we discussed, has many iterations and mm-hmm. significant creators that some of them are on our Mount Rushmore. Some of them are close to our Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of comic creators. Let's dive in with the guys that started it all. Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby. Excelsior! Well, <laughs> I mean, I think even John, as the comic book novice, understands mm-hmm. those two names, right? Hell You've yeah. heard of yeah, Stan of Lee. Yep, you know Jack Kirby's work a little bit. I mean, those two are so synonymous with comic books that they've transcended the comic book world. They are a part of pop culture at this point. I think of the general lexicon. I mean, the fact that those guys created almost every great thing in Marvel Mm -hmm. and DC. Well, that would be like somebody who doesn't watch movies, but you know who Quentin Tarantino is, right? Right, exactly. There's like, there's some stuff that bleeds outside of the mainstream and you know who people are. Stan Lee, obviously he and Jack Kirby worked together so well. They first created the character of Jean Grey as Marvel Girl or AKA Marvel Girl Mm -hmm. in X-Men number one way back in 1963. Yes, way before my time. that was eight years before I was born. (laughs) It was a good, what, four months before you were born, John, right? I'm not quite that old, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, way back when, we know that the X-Men were sort of created to talk a little bit about, you know, how people are viewed in society. We all know that, you know, the, the taboos surrounded around that subject matter and everything Mm -hmm. and of the tropes even in the different storylines I think that Stanley and Jack Kirby when they created these characters I think really that they just got to a point when they created first they created Beast and Angel and Cyclops and Iceman and they said well we need to fill out the roster we don't have a girl yet let's throw a girl in there who knew that (laughs) that character was going to become what she became later on and wasn't she kind of like she was like a weak X-Man too like she wasn't the most powerful weakest of the five. That's what right. I'm saying. She was kind of created as an it's afterthought. Like, she, I'm a beast and I have laser eyes. And she's like, I can kind of read minds and move stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, and not even teleconnect. She didn't get that till later on in the first oh, issue. Really? It was okay. just, wow. Yeah, it was just telepathy. That was all she had, really. Right. She's now, like the Counselor Troy of uh, right. <laughs> the X-Men. She's <laughs> exactly. like, I sense there's going to be a fight. I'll step back. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Stanley only stuck around on this title for 19 issues as far as a writer is concerned. Right. And then he moved on to to do and move on and create another thousand different characters. (laughs) But that series kept going for another hundred issues. And right at issue 101, she takes that evolution that we were talking about when a new guy joined the team, Chris Claremont. Oh, yeah. He and Dave Cockrum created this whole new Phoenix Saga storyline that we're going to get into a little bit more when we talk about the comic book versions of the characters. And they completely transformed her from the mild manner, weaker person. I think she had already developed the telekinetic powers at that point, but she had. And and Xavier had some mental blocks on her, too, that he finally released because he was afraid she'd be too. I read about that. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Like when he took a sabbatical, he's like, "Okay, you're you're strong enough and pull down the. These, these blocks, right? Xavier's kind of a jerk. I know this isn't the, the episode for him, but just... <laughs> well, yeah, there's... well, but he has the best intentions. But sure, he, yeah. He, he just kind of does what he thinks is best, regardless of what kind of the morals or the ethics might be, if you analyze. Right. But, but let's get back to the creators a little bit more than the characters. Yes, right. So Chris Claremont, you know, he created the Phoenix Saga. Dave Cockrum was the artist on that series. Mm-hmm. Those two guys, you know, they're not quite Mount Rushmore, but they're definitely in the foothills of those mountains. I mean, they're pretty solid creators. They've done quite a lot of work. Chris Claremont really, really developed the X-Men for a long, long time. I mean, he had a huge run and really is responsible for, I, I, I think, 
creating the X-Men that we kind of know and recognize in cartoons and movies and everything oh, today. Sure. Yeah. Well, and we talked about it a little, well, we will talk about it a little bit as we move into the comic versions of these characters, how during some of the scenes they talk about, we're the new X-Men versus the old right. X-Men and everything. So there was some definite on-purpose separations between the old guard and the mm-hmm. new guard. And then about 20 issues later, Chris Claremont, he joined with John Byrne, artist and writer, and that's when the Dark Phoenix saga was created. And that's Mm. the one that really... I guess, uh, inspired the new film that's coming coming out out from Sony here on June the 7th. Yes. That's a crazy nine book series. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's good stuff. And the, the collaboration between those two guys, Claremont and Byrne is really something to see. Um, just the art clicks with the writing and dialogue and they weave a lot of threads in there. But yeah, those two guys were at the top of their game in that story. And John, I know you, probably aren't aware of those people by name, but after having (laughs) taken a look at these issues that we talked about for Dark Phoenix, what did you think about their styles, both writing and art, compared to some of the other stuff we've introduced you to so far in the podcast? It's more reminiscent of uh, what I think of as a traditional uh, comic book, like old style comic book. It's very kind of Infinity War, Infinity Gauntlet-y. The shading is more that kind of dotted kind of uh, shading. Right. When I look at that, I'm like, that feels like an old comic book. And anything Anything that's like newer stuff that's more polished, it uh, it doesn't have that same kind of nostalgic feel. Which I mean, this was a nostalgic book, I get. Uh, and you know, while I have the floor, I know you. Uh, we try to stop rambling, but it's like the topics <laughs> in this show are rambling, like the history of this character. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> Since this went through so much time, and you said that the character started like sixty three, I'm really curious. So you guys have been reading books all your lives. You know how when people watch Doctor Who and they're like, "Well, the first Doctor you're exposed to is like, was it John Pertwee or was it you know who who's the one you first were exposed to. And I'm curious, when did you start reading about Dark Phoenix? And like, did you start in the middle and later learn? Did you start at the beginning? I mean, how did you get introduced to somebody that has this history of just decades? Well, for me, I started collecting comic books in 1983. I mean, I had, as a little kid, you know, you'd see the comic books on the spinner rack at the grocery mm-hmm. store when you go there with your parents. And so you grab an issue of this or grab an issue, whatever whatever's current. cool to yeah. you, right? Yeah. And, you know, you get issue number one, and then later on, you'd go back to the grocery store in a couple of weeks, and there'd be issues number 12 right. out there <laughs> so you you couldn't really stay you know, in the storylines and comic books, sometimes they stayed with storylines that went over several issues. And sometimes it was just a different story every issue. Mm -hmm. But I think I really started collecting in the mid eighties. So 82 to 85 in that area. So the dark Phoenix saga, which is the one that we're going to focus on a lot later on that had already happened because that was 1980. But I remember specifically being told to read that series by the guys who ran the comic book store that I went to because they said, Oh, so you're a new Teen Titans fan. They did a crossover with these with the X-Men. And I, of course, had heard of the X-Men at that mm-hmm. point. And I said, oh, really? So they showed me that book. And there was some Phoenix references in that book. And I said, what's this Phoenix stuff? And they said, oh, there's so <laughs> well, if you want to know about the Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like comic book guys do, we love to share something that we know that somebody else doesn't. Right. right. So it's like, oh, let me sit you down under the learning tree, young man, and we'll teach you all about Jean Grey. So that's really when I got my first glimpse into the world. I got it through. Uh, I was a little bit later in collecting in the 90s, like 93, 94. I was watching the X-Men television series, which I'm sure we will get to later in the show. But that was my introduction oh, yeah. to Jean Grey. And then also the Phoenix. I collected the Marvel trading cards, uh, the different iterations. And there was always stuff. You about, talked about that before, yeah. right? Those little trading cards that are like baseball cards, but for comic book superheroes. Yes. I love non-sports trading cards. Those are the best. <laughs> <laughs> TV shows and movies and garbage pail kids, whatever. I love them. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, there was always, you know, there was X-Men lines and it, it had, you know, event cards, the kind of summary of the event. So uh, that's how I really got introduced to the whole Phoenix thing, because in the comics, she really wasn't, you know, when I was reading, wasn't really Phoenix anymore. They would reference it every now and then, but it was more right. focused on her relationship with uh, Cyclops a lot. Yeah. Okay. I was curious yeah, about Scott that. Summers. So, sorry yeah. for hijacking there, George. But no, 
no, no, no, not at all. It's, it's no, such a I meandering mean, character that I'm like, it's just, you know, when do you come in and how do you learn about it? And I just, I think of, you know, I'm coming into it right now and I'm so overwhelmed. I can't imagine a kid coming into this and going, what the hell's going on? <laughs> right, exactly. Like my son now, you know, he's he's interested in going to see that movie because it's a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as my son, he loves to go watch comic book movies with sure. me. But he doesn't understand anything outside of the movie context of these characters. Now, there is a large backstory in the films for this character because we've got the first three X-Men films where Famke Jansen right. played the character. And now we've got everything from First Class later on, which uh, Sansa Stark has been playing the character Mm -hmm. and you know it's been all this different stuff so he's got a background in it but not in the comic book form there's no quite the depth yeah and I mean, comic books are, you know, 20, 30 pages long. So you'd think, oh, that can't be nearly as in-depth as a two-hour film. Oh, sure it can. There really is. I mean, there's a lot there. You could put a lot of subtext in there with all the art. That's that's what I'm finding out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we're definitely going to have to unpack a lot about the comic books right after this. What? My brother is in trouble. How do you know? I know. You know those head Gentlemen, the comic books are where these characters started. The creators created them, but in comic book form. Before we get into the myriad of different comic <laughs> books for Jean Grey, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, whatever other name she has at Across this point. Across decades of presentation. <laughs> right? I want to just give a brief little frame of reference for the different ages of comic books, because that's how we're going to talk about this when we talk about Jean Grey, the different ages. Ooh, First, I there's popcorn. the popcorn. I don't even know I know, this. right? Go, go. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> So first, there's the Golden Age. The Golden Age is considered to be from 1938 to 1956. The Golden Age is generally characterized by things like the old comic books that had cowboys and Indians or, you know, the Dick Tracy kind of stuff, like with mob guys, Mm -hmm. cops and robbers kind of thing, but not so much the superhero type stuff as much. The Silver Age, which is the age where we find our first appearance of Jean Grey, is 1956 to 1970, mm-hmm. one year before I was born in 1971. So the Silver Age is really where you get into the superhero comics, your Supermans, your Batmans, your X-Men, your uh, Avengers, your Spider-Mans, right. your Hulks. That's really yeah. where all of that is born. So right after Silver Age is the Bronze Age. That's 1970 to 1985. That is in the heart of when Mm -hmm. I first started reading and collecting comic books, right in middle school, high school era for me. And that's when you really start to see the development of some of these more, I don't want to say in-depth storylines, because there were a lot of good storylines before that. But I think really comic books, especially superhero comics, started to come into their own even more so in this area Mm -hmm. when you started even getting more of the tortured soul stuff like, you know, Teen Titans killing off their characters and stuff. Yeah, so that era, that was like the more mature storylines yeah. kind of kicked up, right? And they moved away from yeah. just aiming mm-hmm. at You started getting drug awareness right. issues out there. Yeah, more socially mm-hmm. aware started, stuff, you know, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Then, of course, you've got what we now call the modern age, which is 1985 through the present. They, for some reason, they haven't broken up the modern age too much yet into different ages. Well, it's named in such a way that modern always means now. So you're right. like, what yeah, are you going to name like, it? <laughs> you'd think like, so 70 to 85, that's 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, 85 to 2000, maybe yep. you could call that like Generation X age. Yep. I'm know? all for that. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if they wanted to try and keep with precious metals and they just ran out well, of them at, at that every- point. Once in a while, they have like in that that 80 to 85 to 90 somewhere. They call it every once in a while, I see it called the Copper Age. Really? Okay. All right. So a little less precious than bronze, silver, or gold. But I guess as as we move forward in time, things are getting less and less urgent. Right. We're now in the tinfoil age of comic books. (laughs) But let's go back while we're here. Let's go back to the Silver Age because we need to talk a little bit about Jean Grey's origins. We've talked a little bit about it already in the character synopsis at the beginning and in the creator segment, but X-Men number one, 1963 Marvel Girl. Jason, tell us all about it. She was introduced with the the rest of the X-Men, you know, Cyclops, 
uh, Angel, Beast, Professor X, and Iceman as part of this, you know, group that uh, this, you know, nice bald man in a wheelchair brought together to train, right. you know, <laughs> teach and train. And then they have to face off against the master of magnetism, Magneto. She's definitely one of the younger X-Men, if not the youngest. She's definitely one of the least powered X-Men. And it's almost like she's just there as kind of as an aside. She, Like you said earlier, Jason, she gets introduced at the end of it. She's not even throughout the whole comic book really talked about. Yep. Yeah, she's the la- I think she's the last character at least introduced. And then, you know, when they go out to fight Magneto, she, you know, doesn't do a whole lot. Um, but yeah, she's just kind of there, I think, for the female part of it. It's kind of telling in her name, almost disrespectful to call her, you know, Marvel Girl. She's not Marvel Woman. You know, it's like she's oh, this yeah, side right. role. She's kind of like right. a, a, a subset, a subservient to, you go, you got Laser Eye Man and Monster Boy. <laughs> you know, then you got, oh, and this girl. You know, it's kind yeah. of uh, it just it's very telling how they presented her just by the way they named her. They thought of her that way. Now, what about the Bronze Age? This is when she really makes the transformation. X-Men 101 through 108, the Phoenix Saga. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's I can't even imagine that's what, eight, seven, eight issues there where she transforms from that Marvel girl character into the Phoenix and no longer. When did we start calling her Dr. Jean Grey, by the way? Do you know that, Jason? Ooh. When she graduated from college. Yeah, well, <laughs> she got she got a. a uh, online degree uh, from right <laughs> University, of, University Phoenix. of Phoenix exactly. <laughs> So she, at some point, became Dr. Jean Grey, is like somebody was trying to mature her character, mm-hmm. give her a little bit more credit, maybe. And then she also, in issues 101 through 108, becomes right. Phoenix, where she meets the Phoenix Force, and they yeah, kind of yeah. form so this I'm symbiote the brakes thing. on you. Er, er, hold on <laughs> okay. now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Another sip of bourbon here, before I can yeah. really get my head around this. <laughs> so... Really, the Phoenix isn't entirely just Jean Grey or Marvel Girl or whoever she is. It's this this extra force that mm-hmm. either like symbiotes with her or merges or collaborates. It, sure. it is it does it exist on its own? See, that blew my mind, and I'm like, uh, I'm going to stop trying to figure it out, and I'm going to ask the experts on the show. So, <laughs> what what is the Phoenix Force? What was that? It's deal? a giant fire bird that flies through space. Um, at least that's it. Is not a giant fire bird. <laughs> Come on. Damn it. I was already believing you, Jason. <laughs> you can't mess with me like that. No. I'm going to go tell somebody else. Oh, I know. It's Firebird. Yeah, I get it. yeah. it's actually the universal force of life and passion, yes. which is important to the character, right? Because as we read in the Dark Phoenix Saga, it's her emotional state that triggers the transformation as much as mm-hmm. anything else, right? When she's really angry or falling in love with the bad guy that we'll talk about a little bit later. Well, it was her so, emotional state that actually activated her powers when she was a little girl that I read. So that makes sense. Correct. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why the Phoenix Force might have been attracted to her. Now, we see in the trailer of the new Dark Phoenix film, of course, they're up in space. They're on the space shuttle mission to save it. And this giant cosmic wave of energy just slams into Mm -hmm. the ship while she's still there. And lo and behold, Dark Phoenix, you know, poof, is born. (laughs) I thought that's very similar to what happens in these. Well, (laughs) it's not far off. Really? I'm in space, a wave of energy and now I can burst into flames or I'm a rock. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She really matured in that that first issue, that 101, because she's it, it basically saves her because she's trying to save the X-Men from the, the ship crashing and it crashes in the ocean and it bonds with her. And then you, she flies out in an iconic panel, flies out of the water mm-hmm. in a new costume mm-hmm. saying, I'm the Phoenix. Which and, is the origin of Phoenix yeah, there. Yeah, but right. she, she was really, uh, you know, she was basically, I think, willing to sacrifice herself to save her teammates. And then that's when uh, it opened up for this Phoenix to (laughs) make its play. And so my last interrupting question of this particular segment is when the Phoenix Force merges with her, how much of Jean Grey is still there and how much of the Phoenix Force? So all of Jean Grey is still there, just like all of the Phoenix Force is still there. It's not a matter of more or less of either of them. It's which one becomes dominant. During the Phoenix Saga, I would say that Jean Grey stays a little bit more dominant. Gotcha. And that's why they're able to save the universe at the end of that series of stories. (laughs) And what a beautiful segue. Well, when does that change, George? (laughs) 
that changes <laughs> in the Dark Phoenix Saga, issues 129 my through 137. Some people also qualify issue number 138, which is kind of a funeral issue where Scott Summers kind of remembers back all his good times during the eulogy, you know, and that kind of a thing. But mostly 129 through 137 are the Dark Phoenix Saga books, which is where Jean Grey's Phoenix character, which they're all real happy about. Because remember, just 20 issues ago, which you know that's not that long in comic mm-hmm. book history mm-hmm. she just saved the entire universe she saved everyone mm-hmm. but then things start to go awry because we have some other people who start to kind of influence her and it's not the phoenix force that's influencing her no no it's these uh the creepy uh, hellfire club yeah well and one in particular <laughs> yes, jason one right? guard however you say yeah. his name uh, yeah. <laughs> he's got a great first name though but uh he's he's, <laughs> he's not that you're biased he's revealed to be later on in the story revealed to be an old x-men foe the mastermind who just uses illusions mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he he's a big creep i mean he's he's almost um very predatory oh yeah he's slimy and he's using this weird little gizmo that's given to him by emma frost another character that mm-hmm. we talked and about she previously was introduced in this yep. series too is her first appearance as well. that's right first appearance of emma frost and also one of my favorite characters yes. kitty pride who mm-hmm. also gets introduced in that issue i love kitty pride i think that that little device that emma frost gives so i don't know what to call him i'm going to call him jason just because jason's a real creepy oh, name okay, i think we've thanks. established that <laughs> That's, it's, it's, a, it's a baseline for creepiness. If you start with You're Jason, right. it's pretty well. Yeah. yeah, you've laid the foundation. That's fair. Uh, she gives him this device and he's able to telepathically project his illusions into Jean Grey's mind. And she thinks she's time slipping mm-hmm. back 200 years to like an ancestor of hers that marries his ancestor. And then she keeps seeing him in real life. And every time she does, all of a sudden she's transported. But she's not picking up on it. And that throws yeah. me off. I don't know how, as an experienced crime fighting superhero, <laughs> you don't recognize that somebody's messing with you at that point. Well, but if, if you're in, if they're in your mind, it's hard to separate reality from the illusion then. So you cut her a little slack. Okay. All right. I guess uh, so. It's not like you're investigating reality. Once inside of your head, you, you tend to trust that because it's your mind. You know, that's, I mean, that's I know his character's name about. is master mm-hmm. mind. So he's a master <laughs> of the mind. I get that, but hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> The thing is, while she's in that time slip state, everything around her is going on like normal. And everybody's just staring at her, looking at her like, what? What? Why is she acting that way? What is she doing? And, you know, every now and then Scott Summers can bring mm-hmm. her back and she slips back into reality. And then she's like, wait, why am I kissing this right. ugly guy? What's going on here? I'm, I'm with Scott. Uh, Scott, let me explain what happened. And Scott's walking off. No, we got to fix Dazzler right now. I- that was the weakest part of the story for me. So before we move on, can you help me keep my 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 progression in an order here? So Jean Grey, I don't know I've if got. I can keep mine in order, but we'll try. <laughs> right. So Jean Grey, I've got Jean okay. Grey becomes a mutant and becomes mm-hmm. Marvel Girl. Yes. And then uh, joins with the Phoenix Force to become mm-hmm. the Phoenix. Yes. How am I doing? Mm-hmm. So, so far, so good. good? You're, you're yeah. right on track. Okay. Absolutely. Can you straight line me? What is the differentiation between Phoenix and Dark Phoenix? Well, what is the reason for the rebrand? Is it because of the change of personality or is there a new force involved? Well, so no, it is the same force. And That's what I thought. Change okay. of personality is kind of like misleading a little bit. It's more of a change of dominance of personality. What you see yeah, is that's where I was the going. Phoenix okay. Force becoming more dominant as yep. these mm-hmm. issues go forward. Like when we get into 134, 135, 136, you start to see that force's personality becoming the more dominant of the two combined entities. So Jean Grey gets subjugated. The Phoenix Force becomes the dominant personality. And it is much more about, like I said, it's all about passion and life Mm -hmm. and to the extreme right this is the 1980s so everything's to the extreme (laughs) (laughs) so pepsi max i think to the max you know so i think it's because that force took over and it's just it's insatiable it's Mm -hmm. voracious it's appetite you know they mention a couple of times uh who is it that they're talking about they're saying galactus this force is you know as strong or maybe more powerful than galactics and Galactic's wow. whole thing is, is going and eater? eating planets. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Just, Look, I know something. That's right. I'm hungry. I need to go mm-hmm. eat a planet. That's Galactic. So, you know, he doesn't care about anybody. And as little 
passion as his character shows, the Phoenix character shows the exact opposite. It's all about passion, but they're both still about consuming whatever they need in order to fuel them. So as Phoenix, there's harmony between the mm-hmm. two, the, the host and the symbiote. And then Dark Phoenix is the emergence of the symbiote overshadowing Jean Grey. I would say that's probably accurate. I've been telling everybody this week that how great the story is. <laughs> I just really, really liked it. It's very rich in story uh, as far as the Phoenix stuff. And Jason now, has read a comic book or two in his time. So that's saying something. He's read a comic yeah. book or two, right? <laughs> you know, that may be a clue as to the longevity of the storyline, right? Because it's not just the Silver Age X-Men number one where she started or the Phoenix series in the 76 to 77 mm-hmm. era or Dark Phoenix in the 1980s. I mean, there's even other books that center around the Jean Grey Phoenix storyline. One of the ones that, and I'm going to talk about it because I'm a huge Teen Titans fan and this is my damn podcast. So I'm going to talk about it whether anybody likes it or not. It's George's world. We're just in it. That's right. One of the last crossovers to happen, and it was in the 1980s between Marvel and DC was a crossover of the Uncanny X-Men and the New Teen Titans that centered a little bit around the Phoenix character storyline. And the cool part was they brought in Darkseed, who, John, I'm not sure if you know much about Darkseed, but essentially he's the DC equivalent to Thanos. And that's and I know you know S-E-I-D. Thanos. S-E-I-D. I always thought it was Darkseed, but I've learned recently right. it's mm-hmm. Darkseed. Yes, yeah. yes. I, okay, and, I just told you everything okay. I know about him. Right, and I call okay. him Darkseed. It might be Darkseid, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm calling him Darkseed. I've heard him call that so, a lot. I don't know. <laughs> um, but so he essentially wants to break through this thing called the sonic yeah. wall, which the is source wall. I don't really know yeah. how to describe it. Yeah. The source wall. I'm sorry, not the sonic wall. I keep thinking sonic powers because I've been reading this series <laughs> so much, but he decides that he needs the energy from the Phoenix force to help him get through the source wall. So ah, he's he the reason for the crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Ah, okay. And of course the teen Titans, they get involved because star, Fire has this ability to know about Dark Phoenix's power. She has this sense, and so she, that's how they get involved. People like Deathstroke, the Terminator, end up in this book, and it's just one issue, by the way. Just oh, 1982. Oh, really? The way you talk yeah. about it, I thought it was this epic. No, no, just one issue, but it was done by Chris Claremont. He's oh, the guy who wrote it. Yep. Now, not John Byrne. He didn't bring him on board, but there's a lot of interesting little things. There was going to yeah. be a sequel yeah. to this thing. They just couldn't get it worked out. <laughs> well, it ended up getting it ended up getting killed mainly because of one of my favorite artists, George Perez. He was already working on a Justice League of America Avengers crossover, which was supposed to mm-hmm. happen a little bit later, but there ended up being a whole bunch of disagreements between Marvel and DC and so they canceled that series and Perez, who had already drawn a whole bunch of that series, got so pissed off he said, fine, I'm not going to do Uncanny X-Men New Teen Titans number two. So it died on the vine Mm -hmm. because of that, which I really hated because it was a really good book. It, like I said, it was one of the first ones I got introduced to when I first started collecting comics. Yep. And I was really sad, but that being the first introduction into my Phoenix world was what drew me into some of the earlier ones, the 101 mm-hmm. through 108 and 129 through 138. So, I mean, they have moved this series along. Jason, they've even done a ton of modern age stuff yes, on it, right? Yes, they, they sure have. Uh, and Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something happens at the end of this series that would suggest that maybe we're not not going to do a whole bunch more Jean Grey stuff. So fair enough. Let's talk a little bit about that <laughs> right. before we move into the modern <laughs> stuff. Then. It's, it's a bit suspicious. <laughs> I talked earlier about issue 138 being sometimes included mm-hmm. in the saga and sometimes not included in the saga, depending upon who you talk to and what book you look at. 138 is a funeral issue for Jean Grey. Yeah. Because at the end of 137, Jean right? Grey sacrifices herself. Yeah. You know, spoiler alert. That's yeah. going to happen in the movie, probably. That's right. But she <laughs> sacrifices herself. From 1981 or whatever. She ends up sacrificing herself for the betterment of all mankind during the battle between uh, the X-Men and those. I don't even know what that other group was. Yeah, the Shi'ar Shiar. Empire. Yeah. Yeah. And she realizes that Dark Phoenix is always going to come out. It's always going to take over. She's never going to have enough willpower mm-hmm. to control it. So she kills herself mm-hmm. to get rid of the Phoenix force and save humankind, the galaxy, the universe, mm-hmm. everything. Yep. So Jean Grey, story over. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was all, I thought I had it mastered and I had the entire story in my head now. Yeah, no. All right. So as a Phoenix <laughs> will do, there is always a resurrection. From the end. 
Yes. And yeah. uh, Jean Grey comes back in uh, 1986 in not X-Men, but Fantastic Four, which is strange. Right. I think Marvel was wanting to do some stuff with the X-Men and were wanting to bring Jean Grey back as Jean Grey and didn't really know how to do it. And somebody came up with an idea that, well, maybe uh, the Phoenix, when she first possessed Jean Grey, really just copied her and placed the real Jean Grey in mm-hmm. a cocoon at the bottom of the bay where the plane crashed so fantastic four is basically that fantastic four and the avengers find a cocoon nope. and and it's got gene gray jason are you messing with me again like you said I Phoenix wish, was a firebird I, I, I was messing with you this is total yes. soap opera but, arena type stuff this is like where the twin was really the one who was there the whole time doesn't, and, doesn't and that the one devalue you yeah. the entire story up to then if it wasn't really her well she she alludes to having the those memories. Well, it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was her just a copy. So it really was. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I got uh, you. It wasn't a clone. It was a copy. Yeah, it's just, right, okay. yeah and, and, and then I think people since then just kind of choose whatever adventure they want to believe as far as this continuity because it, it gets <laughs> it's not it, canon it gets, I don't believe yeah, that it gets part. wilder but she <laughs> joins up with the original team to form X Factor so that's Beast Cyclops who is married to a woman that looks a lot like Jean Grey uh, who later right. bec- is a clone and becomes the Goblin Queen and unleashes Hell on Earth uh, that's more so proper for you there <laughs> and the reason it was in Fantastic Four uh, is because John Byrne, who was you know responsible for the Dark Phoenix, or one of the guys responsible for Dark Phoenix, he was you know in the middle of a long epic run of Fantastic Four, so right. it kind of made sense for him to bring you know bring back one of his characters, like a backdoor pilot. Just uh, we'll we'll in, yeah. yeah we'll put it right into this because I'm already there. Now, that's not the only mm-hmm. modern day reference. There's also X-Men volume two, number 30, which is when Jean Grey gets married to Cyclops. Yeah, they finally get married. And believe it or not, that is one of my favorite comic book issues ever. It's there's no action. It's a wedding, but Jace it's, is an old it's soul soul comic very book. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always said Jason was real softy. Yeah, that figures. So 1994 marriage to Cyclops, Jason's favorite issue because there's no action. It's just a marriage. It's then, good stuff. A good moment. It is. He likes all the it's kissing. That's his favorite part. Ten years later, Jason, you put a book on the list, New X-Men number 150. I don't even know about this, but you've got a note in there that says Second Death. What, yes. what are we talking about what? here? So this, so this is one of my favorite runs of X-Men. Uh, it was New X-Men 111 through 150. Like 56 or something like that. But anyway, uh, the mutants are teaching, you know, school. There's an outburst of, you know, more mutants coming up. But anyway, this issue, the X-Men have to fight Magneto, who's gone crazy. It's a brutal battle. And Jean Grey's been able to, at this point, she's somehow has been connected again to the Phoenix Force and can kind of freely tap into it. Well, she unleashes the Phoenix Force, but is wounded by Magneto and dies in Cyclops's arms and <clears throat> basically it's a really sad scene she tells uh, Cyclops who they they were having some problems and he was hooking up on the side with Emma Frost who had joined the X-Men <laughs> she tells so she the tells, white queen that started the whole dark saga thing right by the way. she tells uh, Scott Summers, she said that uh, to to go on and live, that all she ever did was die on him. <laughs> so yeah. she some crazy stuff. Yeah. No, no. Then you've got a Phoenix Resurrection in 2017, 18. There's a five issue series there. I'm not even going to get into it because we have got so much more to cover, and this podcast mm-hmm. is already running like double the length yeah. of our now, normal. Now before podcast. you bounce out of that, I have one quick I know, question. I saw okay. that you had a question you wanted to so, ask. So my one quick question is: with all this lineage, why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep resurrecting and changing and morphing and killing and resurrecting again the same character. Why not have you know start from scratch with a new character or start? What's so special about Jean Grey that there's so much importance that they have to keep bringing her back and transmogrifying her and twisting her and warping? Why do that? So I'll answer that for you. Yeah, there's two simple answers. Number one, there's a huge buy into the character because she's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are people who feel attached to her more than they would like the daughter character that I could barely remember the name of or something like right. that, that would maybe take on the mantle of that character later right. on. But the bigger reason is sales. It's that simple. You put mm-hmm. Jean Grey's name on a book at this point, it's going to translate to sales. And that's what Marvel really needs to focus on all the time because they, if they sell their comic books, they can keep producing more. So it's really all about sales. 
New from Lego Marvel Superheroes, the evil Loki has unleashed an alien invasion. You can build a Quinjet to stop him from destroying the city. Assemble the Avengers. Fire up the engines. Blast into action. Activate your superhero powers to stop the invasion. And to protect the city. New from Lego Marvel Superheroes. Each set sold separately. We're finally back around to where we started. We've come full circle. We started talking about the new Dark Phoenix film that's coming out in just a few days. And uh, so let's dig into what what other manifestations of Dark Phoenix or Phoenix or Jean Grey or whatever you want to call her uh, in other uh, TV shows <laughs> and movies and cool stuff like that. Jason, you mentioned the animated series that you first got your exposure to Jean Grey. Uh, and that was in the early 90s. It was uh, a Saturday morning cartoon. It also appeared, you know, in the afternoons uh, during the week after school, and they did a week-long series of the Phoenix Saga. I remember coming home every day really? and watching the Phoenix <laughs> wow. Saga, and then they did the following week, or maybe a couple weeks after, they did a week-long Dark Phoenix Saga, and you can oh, find these. Okay, so they did both can, of you them. You can That's find these cool. on YouTube. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Dark Phoenix uh, this week uh, to kind of refresh my memory. It, it's why don't very... you just give me the cartoons instead of making me read this long book? Come on now, <laughs> the books, John. John, the book's always better. Uh, okay. The book's always better. <laughs> but no, they, the the series though. This animated series is known for really pulling from the Claremont Burn era or, or Chris Claremont's era. Uh, a lot Apparently. of storylines and it was pretty close to the uh, actual story except Jean doesn't die at the end of the Dark Phoenix saga. Oh, she kind of dies. Yeah. Uh, she she does she sac- kind of she sacrifices herself <laughs> and then the Phoenix is in a form of a bird appears over her and Cyclops yells at the the Phoenix and she said, "Well, you know, Jean's fire has faded out and she needs the fire of somebody else." So the X-Men hold hands and give a piece of their spirit to resurrect Jean, and it's the last scene is her oh. in a bed recuperating. Yeah, <laughs> what a cop out. So, so well, I mean, it's, it's a, a kids', kids yeah. after school Saturday morning cartoon. So you know they don't really want to kill major people in those things at that era. I would, I guess. guess. But there's an era where they don't mind killing people, and that's kind of around the next topic of the media school of thought, and that's X Men Last Stand, which came out in 2006. So now we're this was the, the this is the Sony era of Sony the era, era yeah. of Marvel. Uh, yeah, this is the third film of the X-Men trilogy, I guess you would call yes. it, right? And this is, there is a Dark Phoenix appearance, but none of anything we've talked about today is how she became the Dark Phoenix. She just breaks through her psychic bonds and all of a sudden she's freaking evil and joining up yeah. with Magneto and, you know, it's not even no. close to the stuff that's in this original Dark Phoenix storyline. Well, they couldn't have. I mean, it took us an hour to get to this point. They had to get on with <laughs> right. the movie at some point. So <laughs> it would have been a multi-part episode of the film. Just well, to they get did to there. three films. But what I feel like is that they did the first film. We're introducing mm-hmm. the X-Men and it's mainly those films are a Wolverine vehicle. Yeah, right? Those are yeah. all Wolverine movies. And yeah. I think that they just needed a storyline for the third one. Yeah. To mm-hmm. kind of round out the series, and they, so they latched onto this and said, "Well, let's let's mess around with this here and change a couple of things there, and this will get us out of this series." And then, of course, later on, they do some really weird Sony pictures, like that one Wolverine Origins yeah. film, and a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff. But none of that had to do with Phoenix. Now, don't get me wrong; I love Famke yes. Jansen in the role. Yeah. I think she's great. Now, Jason, what was this thing you have on the list here? Wolverine and the X Men from two thousand nine. That was another animated series, and I, I wasn't familiar with that series, but again, that's on YouTube. Um, and it is a strange show. The voice acting is everybody has the same kind of weird creepy voice or bratty voice. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's got a little bit with the Hellfire Club. Uh, Emma Frost definitely is more of a catalyst for kind of bringing back the Phoenix, but it ends up the Phoenix Force uh, possesses some acolytes of the Hellfire Club, and then Jean Grey gets real powerful, but you also got a storyline with Magneto controlling Sentinels, and anyway, 
anyway, I had no idea hmm. what was going on. Again, with this. Jason gives me comic <laughs> books to read, but never gives me cartoons to watch. So <laughs> he, he keeps those all to himself. Yeah, well, you know, he's just trying to force you down the path of catching I up to guess. where right. he and I have been over I, the last 30 I, I, years. I feel yes. comfortable in uh, telling people to skip the Wolverine and the X-Men series. <laughs> okay. um, and, and we may get, hate, we may get hate mail for that. I don't know, but I, I would say skip it. Not for me, yeah. at least, I'll say. And then, of course, we had X-Men Apocalypse 2016. There was some Dark Phoenix references near the end of that where she's told to unleash her power so that she can stop, you know, the bad oh, yeah, guy. That was that a film. very melodramatic uh scene to gene release your power (laughs) jason you got a future in this i know right (laughs) and that's what kind of leads us into the film that's coming out june 7th as we mentioned i don't know how many times at this point (laughs) i I feel like you know uh what was that idiocracy movie where every time you say a certain phrase you get a you get paid money for it you're like it's got electrolytes well (laughs) dark phoenix on june 7th so do we know when this new movie is going to be released yet I think June 7th. I think it's June 7th. It better be, because if it's not, we've screwed this whole podcast. I'm not re-recording this. It's back a couple times, so who knows? June 7th may come. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're not going to release it. (laughs) Surprise! It better release this time. I went ahead and signed up for the AMC A-list recently, and that's one of my tickets, so they better bring (laughs) this thing out at this point. We can go watch Dumbo if you want. Maybe they'll still have that I might go watch Dumbo. That'll be fine. So the new film, Dark Phoenix, do you know, does anyone know, are you aware, what slice of this just monumental history are we carving out? Is it that Dark Phoenix thing from the 129 through 137, or is it a subset? Are they distilling things down? What is this? Is it inspired by a part of that? Part of it is absolutely the 101 through mm-hmm. 108 storyline because it starts off with the Phoenix Force, you know, entering her. Okay, so it's going all the way back the space to shuttle, right. the encounter with the Force. Right. All right. So part of that's got to be there, but my guess is that they must skip ahead in the timeline a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I think it takes place in 1990 because, you know, these newer films all take place kind of in the past. Real flashback. Yeah. Right, right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I know that uh, it looks like it's, you know, more confrontation between, from what I've seen, you know, Magneto and Xavier. Uh, there is a character in it played by Jessica Chastain that is a kind of a, an amalgam of a lot of different characters, and she seems to be playing that mastermind okay. role of of influencing oh, really? Jean Grey. Huh. But I don't know to what extent. Um, you know, we'll have to see the film to find you know, out. We didn't, we didn't talk about it earlier, but one of the Hellfire Club members in the one twenty nine through one thirty seven run was right. Sebastian Shaw. Right, he was the guy who he was one of the four main guys of the inner circle of the Hellfire Club, and he can absorb. Mm-hmm kinetic energy and redirect it and make himself more powerful. But we already saw his character played by Kevin Bacon in the X-Men first class. Stuff. Yes. And I was wondering, you know, he was a pretty central character in the storyline of these comics. Do you think there's any chance that they bring Kevin Bacon back or is it because we saw his screen death already? We're never going to see him again. I don't know. That would be great to see Kevin Bacon again because I enjoyed him in the film. But yeah, he he's pretty <laughs> dead. So yeah, we'll, I guess so. Well, yeah, but so so, but so too was Gene. So was the Phoenix. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just have to wait until June 7th before we can really see how this thing fleshes out. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about our reviews of the film in one of our current event podcasts as we get to that I point. think that sounds appropriate. I'm looking forward to seeing this movie on June 7th. I've already got my ticket ready with AMC's A-list. Yep. So once I get to go see it, we'll talk about it a little bit later in one of our future podcasts. All right. I'll be ready. Marvel superheroes, Secret Wars. Collect them all. Each figure comes with a secret shield revealing a secret mission for the evil Doctor Doom. Captain America, Defender of Freedom. Magneto, Master of All Metals. The Invincible Iron Man. The Sinister Doc Ock. Secret shields reveal the identity of Spider-Man. Kang the Conqueror. Wolverine with his adamantium claws. Marvel's Secret Wars, each sold separately. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. 
and that will wrap it up for this our extended edition <laughs> of the drawn and paneled back issue podcast gentlemen before we get out of here i want to add a little bit more time to the clock and ask you one final question okay do you like the dark phoenix character arc enough to spend money on this new film i'm going to wait for dvd no i'm just kidding i am going to <laughs> i'm going to go oh i'm going to go opening weekend i i love the x-men uh i've really enjoyed this dark phoenix stuff i like most of the movies so yeah i'm definitely will be there opening weekend for me i don't have any investment in phoenix aside from uh just a brief exposure in other films and now the the bit of uh, this series uh would i spend money to go see it uh probably not based on that but okay. again we said okay. the, the value of gene gray is because of the history and the baggage and the attachment and everything and i don't have all of that uh now like you i also have the AFC right. a list if i have seen everything else mm-hmm. i want to see and it's a lazy thursday night and i want to go see something it looks like a fun action film so i might see it because it's going to be basically free air quotes but outside of right. that i think I, I probably would have actually waited for dve like jason was joking that he would uh, outside <laughs> of that so might see it at the theater i'll definitely see it but i would not have gone voluntarily if it cost me money just because i don't have that history fair mm-hmm. enough all right well some people who are actually into spending money on things they love are our patrons over on patreon.com slash gen x grown up yes these (laughs) are the best kind of consumers in the marketplace and we want to give a quick shout out and thanks to you will thomas slomo jessica dana t2 steen agile Corey, marcus and stubaka Mm -hmm. thank you guys so much for the little bit of money that you send us every month through patreon.com slash gen x grown up if you want to have your name added to that wonderful pantheon (laughs) list of awesome people yep all you have to do head over to patreon.com slash gen x grown up sign up for a buck a month you might not think that it means a lot but it really it means everything to us to know that you went that extra mile because you enjoy what we're doing it's the financial support but even more than that it's the fact that someone actually believes in what we're doing and wants to make sure we Mm -hmm. keep doing it Mm -hmm. and that keeps the tank full and keeps us moving forward so absolutely huge huge. thank you (laughs) with that it is time to sign off and maybe resurrect ourselves in two (laughs) weeks with another back issue and next week with one of our current event issues guys i had a ton of fun jason thank you so much for being here today it is my pleasure john always appreciate you thank you farewell friends and podcast listeners we appreciate you most of all and we will see you guys next time see everybody later bye-bye Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.